What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan, and I am the host of the Budget Trek Podcast. Before we get into the show, I want to talk about our sponsor. SocialX is a community of entrepreneurs working together to make a positive impact on the world, scale their businesses, make more money, and build their networks with like-minded individuals. They have weekly mastermind calls featuring top business leaders, online courses, and amazing entrepreneur events all over the country, which teach entrepreneurs how to go from zero to six figures. If you're interested in learning more about SocialX, go to socialxevents.com and tell them you came from the Budget Trek podcast. Now, on to the show. What's going on, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Budget Trek podcast, and today I have a very special guest. He is the founder of our sponsor, SocialX, the co-founder of VA Connections, president at Total Property Solutions, and a principal at 6-5 Capital, Justin Caballero. What's up, man? What's going on, Brady? Appreciate you uh, having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, so I want to say before we start, we also have, we're not sponsored by this, but Oscar Blues Brewery, Citrisky Business Beer, Mountain India Pale Ale. And I'm going to be honest, Justin, it's, uh, it's not very good. Not very good? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, we're 0 for 1 on the beer. Yeah, we're 0 for 1. Uh, but hey, you can't just say that you love every beer that you're going to have one, right? So yeah, exactly. Off honest, right? Exactly. But I'm going to finish it. No worries. So... <laughs> Obviously, you wear a lot of hats, and essentially what I just read was your positions on LinkedIn. So, okay. kind of give my audience a 30,000-foot view of who Justin is. What's your story, man? Yeah, man. I'm just a super driven young man. I've always wanted to be successful in business and just in life in general from a young age. Really, my two passions are real estate and entrepreneur education. Um, and really business education in general. You know, Total Property Solutions is a real estate renovation business that started three years ago with my father. We've renovated about 250 houses uh, in that business across about 15 to 20 different states. And 6-5 Capital is a apartment investing business that I have with a different partner, Sterling Perkins. Great dude. We're really going to hit the ground running super hard with that uh, in 2020 and beyond. So really, really excited about that. And then Social X is really a passion driven business for me, uh, 80 plus entrepreneurs, including Mr. Brady Morgan, and just tons of uh, phenomenal individuals, great networking, great education, you know, bringing in big time entrepreneurs uh, to come teach us and I'm building out online program, you know, pretty much course curriculum from A to Z, how to start and scale a business from zero to seven figures. And wearing a lot of hats I know can get kind of um, overwhelming sometimes. And like this podcast is about personal finance, which can also become overwhelming. And you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty new entrepreneur, have a podcast, have another thing on the side. And it does get overwhelming at times trying to balance my personal finances and my business finances and making sure I'm still on track with my personal finances. Mm -hmm. So since you wear all these different hats, you also have a personal life too. So how do you mm -hmm. balance the two in terms of your finances? Interesting. So yeah, I mean, I really look at my personal finances as my business finances because I am the type of dude where I will go super all in and all bet on myself, which is really just me betting on my businesses. And I expense pretty much my entire lifestyle through my businesses, you know, besides rent. Uh, but everything else is pretty much run through my businesses. So my personal finances is essentially just my rent and everything else is a business expense. Right. And, and we were touching on this earlier too. 
because this does come into question. You know, my personal financial situation is different from yours. Yours is different from the next person's. Mm-hmm. Everybody's is unique. And like with mine, you know, I have a wife. So, yep. you know, it's a little bit different because our personal finance situation has to go through her too. It's not just me. So mm-hmm. when you do have a partner in the future, whenever that is, we were just talking about that before we started recording. Mm-hmm. How do you expect that to change? Because I know too, a lot of young entrepreneurs, you know, it's just them. And then they get a partner and it's like, okay, well, this is completely different. I have to share a lot more now. So how is that going to play out in your head? You know, that's a good question. I haven't thought about that too much. You know, I've had a girlfriend, partner, whatever you want to call it in the past for a couple of years. And I was pretty much fronting all the, all the bills and meals and vacations and travel and stuff like that. But I would really like to have a partner that is ambitious and she's successful in her own right. Uh, And then we kind of make like a power couple. That's what I envision. But, you know, I plan to be very, very successful, you know, family life and business. So, I I mean, I don't know. That's that's one of the reasons I work really hard, man, because I don't want financial issues ever. You know, one of the most impactful things in my life has really shaped me to be the person that I am today is I grew up with a split household, right? So I lived with my dad basically full time. He had pretty much full custody. And pretty much ever since I could remember, basically my parents got a divorce when I was like two years old. So pretty much ever since, ever since I can remember, you know, my parents were split and I'd go to my mom's like every other weekend. So I basically lived full time with my dad. Uh, we were living a great lifestyle, you know, boat, jet skis, lake house, going to the nice school, private schools, all that stuff. Um, and then my mom, you know, she lived a totally different lifestyle. She had a small house, you know, quaint house. I remember her struggling with bills. So like, man, this is one of the most emotional and like impactful moments in my life. Like 10 years old. I can't remember exactly what Christmas was, but I was like 10 or 11 years old. She bought me like a PlayStation two and like four new games. And that's like what I was really obsessed with when I was that age. So she got me like the new PlayStation, like basically everything on my Christmas list that I could have ever desired that I would imagine my dad would have just bought me because he would usually give us like a bunch of presents and my mom usually give me like two or three but basically she bought me like a ton of stuff and I was so excited I remember and then after I like was so excited and unwrapped everything and I was like just super pumped up I look over my mom was crying and I was like what is going on mom like why are you crying I couldn't realize it and that was really the first time I realized like my mom is struggling financially. So she probably went into credit card debt. She never told me that, but she was, she was like crying. She's like, I just want to give you guys, you know, what you deserve a great Christmas, blah, blah, blah. From that moment on, I was like, I am going to make a shit ton of money and I'm going to buy my mom a house and take care of her. So she never has to have this stress, personal finances. So from like literally 10 years old, I was like, I am driven to be super successful so that I can provide for my loved ones and myself the lifestyle that they deserve and that I want them to have to where they never have to stress like my mom did at Christmas. So that was honestly like a huge turning point in my life. And that is part of the reason, a huge part of the reason that I'm so driven. And it sucks because like now, like if I wanted to pay my mom's rent and pay for her lifestyle, like I could right now, but she passed away like two years ago, like right before I started making money. And uh, that was like, honestly, like, one of the hardest things for me, but you know, a lot of what I do is to still make her proud because she was the one who like planted the seed 
in my mind, not only from like that experience of like me wanting to take care of her and be a provider, but also she was always like, Justin, like you're going to be super successful. Like you're going to change the world. Like you can be whoever you want. And she was the one who planted the seed and really like brainwashed me at a young age. And then I've just reiterated that there's affirmations in my head for the past 25 years. Wow. That's a, it's kind of speechless, man. I mean, that, that's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Man, I've never shared that. So that, that, that's wild because I, I was literally, the next question I was going to ask you is when did you decide you wanted to be very successful? That was and it. That's it. You know, it's, it's crazy. You know, I've talked about this in the past too, but you know, your why, like your why goes so much further than anything else. You know, you start a business and you have those, that new business drive, you're just excited to get in the dirt and figure it out. But then you lose that motivation to keep going. Yeah. But when you have that why of like why you're doing this, what, what yep. do you want to accomplish and who do you want to make proud by this? That's when you go all out and like you're unstoppable, you know, like, for sure. for me, you know, it, it's, it's kind of the, like, I, I want to be able to provide for my wife and my future kids and, you know, yep. their kids in a way that, they don't ever have to worry about money yep. because money is something that when you do worry about it, it's, it's pretty shitty, but when you yeah, don't, it drains, your, it drains your energy. Exactly. So like, that's my why is like, why do I work hard? Why do I want to keep doing this? It's, it's for that. And when I start to feel sorry for myself and I'm like, man, I don't want to work today. I'm so tired. I'm hungover or something like that. It's like, okay, well, why did I start this in the first place? And, and it's crazy too, because, you know, a few months ago I interviewed on a podcast and the guy was like, what would you tell your 18 year old self? And I was like, well, I would tell myself to always finish everything. Just don't quit. And it kind of goes back to your why, you know, I'm sure too, like you are in pretty substantial positions at four companies. I'm sure you're human. At some point you're probably like, damn, I don't want to do anything. But you come back to, to your inner being and you're like, why am I doing this? For what do I want sure. to accomplish by this? Yeah. I think it's important to read that every single day, read your goals, get grounded in your, in your gratitude, your goals, your affirmation, your vision. I haven't read mine today and I'm like itching to do it. I've just been, I woke up, worked out, went to uh, breakfast and then I had like meetings and calls all up until this point, but I'm going to do it right when I get off this podcast, just because I know how powerful it is. Like I can literally feel my future. Like I can feel the vision like in my bones and like my affirmations, it, it reinforces why I'm doing what I'm doing. Just like you said, it's very, very powerful. It really is. It really is. So, so at that point, let's backtrack a little bit. You get that feeling that, you know, that switch in your head, I'm going to be successful. So mm -hmm. from that point on, what was the first step? You know, you're 10, 11. What are you, are you selling baseball cards? You know, what are you doing? You're probably in middle school yeah. at this point. Yeah, I mean, dude, I used to do a bunch of lemonade stands. I was just a little hustler, man. Like, I would uh, – so I did lemonade stands when I was real young. And then when I was about eighth grade, I lived in a really big neighborhood. So, like, we would uh, ride golf cart or uh, just ride bikes around. And I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. A lot of kids would dip, would get into dipping tobacco around that age. Yeah. So I would, hey, mister, and then I would sell the dip to all the kids in the neighborhood. That's how I made a good bit of money. <laughs> um, not my proudest moment, but I always just uh, I got into poker. So yeah, I, I got into all the wrong ways to make money at a young age. 
and um, I started a t-shirt business when I was like, or I actually joined two other kids who started a t-shirt business like right off the back and then kind of hopped in there. Um, just had a bunch of little hustles like that, man. But really, I think if I grew up um, with the issue of like, I didn't have enough, I would have started a business much younger and probably a lot farther along. But since my dad did provide a lot for us, as far as like a really comfortable lifestyle, like money was never an issue. And I didn't realize, you know, you're kind of blind to how you're living until you go live in a different situation. So like when I would go to my mom's house, it was much different. It was still very loving, happy, all that stuff. She was always super motivational, but it was just a totally different lifestyle. So the next steps, you know, from there, I started working with my dad in, in the summers a little bit. In college, I uh, started working for a student housing real estate developer. That was a really great experience. Did that for about two and a half years. And then after that, I moved to Tampa. Me and my dad started a real estate renovation business. When you were in college, you started these things? So when I was in college, I was starting, I, that, my first like real real estate job was in the summers. I would uh, drive around Memphis, Tennessee. So I went to Ole Miss. I would drive around Memphis, Tennessee and look at different houses uh, to purchase and oversee the renovations and stuff like that. So that was my first taste of like hands-on real estate. You know, before then my dad would take me to like different houses he was working on and stuff here and there. And then I believe it was my sophomore year of college, started working for a student housing real estate developer doing marketing and leasing for him. And then after I graduated, I worked for him for about, about a year, uh, managing four apartment complexes that he owned there. Uh, getting them all leased up, improving the management, uh, reduce some of the costs, particularly around the the turns and the renovations. Um, and then, yeah, then I moved to Tampa and started Total Property Solutions. Mm -hmm. But as far as what the next steps were, so I was seeking, I was, I was seeking knowledge. So when I was in college, I, you know, you go there and you get a formal education, right? Right. When I was about 19, I was I went into class and it was an investment class and I recently made a, a little video on this and put it on Instagram and YouTube but I was super excited because I was interested in making money you know so this was a you know it was an investments class we were going to teach about the stock market and all that good stuff so I was like great super excited went in there sat front row raised my hand asked a ton of questions just try to pick up as much knowledge on the stock market economy how to trade all that good stuff couple months in uh, to that class, I actually bought a Tesla stock. I was just reading the graphs and I was reading a bunch of stuff, uh, just on stocks, reading about Elon Musk. I was like, this dude's super fascinating. You know, he's going to change the world. He's already accomplished all this great stuff. Um, and I saw the stock was very volatile. So it kept going from like 175 to 250 essentially. So I bought it when it dipped and uh, at like 200 or something, it went up to like 275. I made like a couple hundred bucks, which to me at the time was a lot of money. So I was, I was really excited. Ran back to my investments teacher and was like, all right, what should I invest in? You know, I told him the story of like how, how I made a couple hundred bucks. He was like, it's awesome, man. I was like, yes, I'm super excited. I loved investing, um, even though I'd only invested, you know, one time, but I was, you know, <laughs> made money from it. I was like, this is great. What should I invest in next? He was like, I don't know, man. I was like, well, what are you invested in? And he said, I'm not invested in the stock market. And I said, hold on, man. 
you're not <laughs> invested in the stock market and you're teaching me in my investments class how to invest in the stock market and all about this. He was like, yeah, my wife won't let me. She's just scared and I can't do it to her. I was like, man, I, and that was pretty much when I gave up on formal education. I had similar experiences like that in two or three different classes. And I was like, all right, I need to go find uh, the information out there that's going to teach me how to reach the level of success that I want because the people teaching me in these classes can't teach me what I, what I need to know. Right. So that's when I started seeking out mentors who were really crushing it. And really at the time I was in Oxford, Mississippi, super small college town, like 20,000 people live there. And then when college is in session, 40,000 people total, because there's like 20 K in there to go to college. So it's not like there's a bunch of business moguls that I can just walk down the street and say, Hey, will you mentor me? So I started reading a ton of books. This is when I started reading like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, How to Win Friends yep. and Influence People, Thing You Grow Rich, all these kind of what I call foundational books. So that really expanded my mind at an extremely rapid pace. And then I also started seeking out mentors. So it was great that I got in with this real estate developer. He was crushing it, building all over the SEC. He's got some properties in Nashville, probably really close to you where you're sitting right now. Um, so I learned a ton from him and I just started soaking up information, started, uh, reading a lot, listening to podcasts, watching informational stuff on YouTube. And I quit betting on sports games. I quit paying attention to all the crap that really just frankly, a lot of unsuccessful people waste all their time on, you know, watching Netflix all the time and stuff like that. And then I took that time and energy and focus and redirected it into acquiring the knowledge of people that were super successful. So really to me, that is the number one thing that I've done that I think differentiates me. Like I literally do not care about what's going on with all these other sports teams that have nothing to do with me. Where as I used to check every single game and bet, cause it was fun, you know, like that was like my hobby. And I was like, wait, you know, I read something by Mark Cuban. He was like, I never paid attention to any of that. I took all that energy and I focused on business. And I was yep. like, all right, well, I'm going to do the same thing, you know? Yeah, I actually saw a video. I think it was Grant Cardone, which I know your opinions on Grant Cardone. But oh, dude, I like, I love, I love Cardone. I, you know, we'll see what his how his investing strategy is. It's great yeah. for him. He's a freaking genius. He's getting sixty five percent over six percent return on all these assets, but he's also buying A class assets at the top of the market. So yeah. you know, he's got a billion dollars of assets say they're cash flowing seven and a half percent. He's making a one, one and a half percent on a billion dollars of assets under management. You do the math. It's great for him. And yeah, people are going to be happy with 6% return and, and the tax advantages. He's doing a great job, man. But I just hope that they're not over leveraged. And if the market does take a dip then all these people don't lose their ass. Yeah, for sure. No, that makes a lot of sense too. But w what he was saying was in the video, I think he was talking to one of his clients or something like that. And he called up the guy and he said, it was on a Sunday. He said, hey, what are you doing, man? He's like, I'm watching the game. And he's like, well, let's talk about your sales strategies. He's like, well, I can't do anything today. I'm watching the game. He's like, get off your ass and go work. Because, I mean, you're watching the game and that watching sports. Like, I'm a big Titans fan. I mean, I'm yeah. going to watch every Titans I'm game. I'm a right? big Saints fan. But, like, but, just watch the freaking Titans game and don't watch the other 12 exactly. or whatever. Exactly. It's prioritizing. And if you spend your time – if you spend so much time doing stuff that yields no return, then that's on you. And then you can't blame anything else of like, I don't have and enough you time. Also can't, you also can't influence the outcome. Right. So when I own the Saints, I'm going to have a lot more control over the outcome. You know, 
that's another thing that they talk about in seven habits of highly effective people. Don't let, don't give all your energy to something that you have zero control and zero influence over. Either right. figure out a way to get influence over that outcome or don't give it, pay any attention to it. Dude, it's crazy. I literally have a spreadsheet on my computer about goals, long-term goals. And I say, I'm going to own the Titans one day. So that's why I watch the Titans game. I got to figure out what's going on. How can <laughs> I help them? It up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, that's oh. great, man. Uh, Tom Benson's got it figured out. I, I know he just recently passed away, but this dude owns the Pelicans and the Saints right there in New Orleans. And I was back in NOLA a month ago for my cousin's wedding, and I was standing at the Hyatt, and their gym is like 25, 30 floors up, and it overlooks it's a beautiful view, overlooks his two stadiums and the Benson Tower. So he owns two. NFL uh, NFL and NBA team and then the whole big office building that says Benson Tower over it looking at it I'm like dude this guy figured it out he had his massive <laughs> company overlooking his two uh professional sports teams like this dude is goals it's insane man it, the Titans are unfortunately like in a family they're in the Adams family so yeah. the reality of getting them to sell probably zero but it's been in the Adams family since it was like the Oilers, I think. So you never know. I, in my opinion, everybody's got a price tag. Everybody's willing to sell at a price. So when I get know. that they money, they we'll could have see. been invested in a bunch of taxis or the printing presses or something like that. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, we never know, but we'll see. <laughs> Let me get out of debt first, and then we'll focus on buying the Titans. <laughs> hey, man. Don't so yourself out of dreams. You, you talked about education, and I want to backtrack to that. You know, Social X is pretty much – education i would say yeah. it's a yeah. lot of education in one place so sure. did learning from all these mentors kind of drive you to start social x and say you know i want to make it convenient and put it all in one spot 100 percent, man i mean going back to the formal education thing i did not get anything that i needed i should say anything but i got a very small fraction of what i needed to be successful from the formal education system not to trash Ole Miss, like I had a wonderful time there. It's great, great social aspects, wonderful people. The teachers, although they didn't teach me, they were still, most of them were very nice and friendly people, like nothing against them, but I wasn't going that route. I was like, I got a different roadmap and this, like I got a different end goal than most people. Right. And following this roadmap is not going to get me there. So I want to learn from people that are in the game, in the trenches. I've always, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, have, have had the entrepreneur spirit in me from day one. It's just not built for entrepreneurs. I like, I believe you got to get out there. You got to get your hands dirty. You got to build stuff. You need to learn from experience. Mm -hmm. You need to learn from mentors and you need to learn from books and, and people that are super successful that their, their knowledge and their, um, their experience has stood the test of time. Their knowledge has stood the test of time. Mm. I mean, that's the best way to learn is through experience. I mean, you can read a textbook or even a book all day long, but until you practice that, you really don't know. And sure. I, I think, you know, formal education is built upon a memorizing text. Yeah. And, and the thing is that half the college, I mean, probably every college, there's test banks. For the oh, general yeah. entry-level business classes, there's test banks for everything. So half the class has test banks, and mm -hmm. the class is on a curve. It's either you cheat or you lose. Exactly. So and, and, everyone has a test bank. Exactly. <laughs> and two things to that. One, when I was in college, I had a class, and the whole class was online. 
So we had to go to a physical class, but everything mm-hmm. was online. The quizzes were all online. The test was all online. But like you said, there's test banks. So it's like, yeah. I got 100 in the class because it's like, why would I not utilize my resources, right? Two, right. there's actually a way when you go on these, if it's an online test, you can look at the code of the website, like behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. And every single correct answer on every single question equals one. And then the wrong answers equal zero. So you can literally look at the code of the questions and see well, if the answer's right. And the thing is too, you know, I've been in corporate America. I worked at UBS yep. and I work at Vanderbilt. Yep. What I learned in college probably accounts for about five to 10% of what I do now. Okay. Pro- maybe, maybe. And, but that's yep. crazy. You know, I'm still new in the entrepreneur space, but I have gone the corporate route and college yep. doesn't even set you up for that. You know, it's just a bunch of stuff. Like, you know, I studied finance and I think you did too. It's corporate finance. It's like knowing how to like value a company or a stock. It's like, unless I'm going to wall street, it really doesn't matter corporate wise about any Mm -hmm. of that. So education is something I'm really passionate about too, because you know, they say children or students are the future of America, but Mm -hmm. why are they being set up to not know how to lead America? Very well said. It's just crazy, man. I mean, why are we not teaching personal development, mindset, time management, mental health? That's a mental huge health, thing. Emotional intelligence, sales. I would say 99% of the marketing textbook was completely outdated when I was in my marketing class. Oh, dude, it's all about a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, yeah, opportunities, it's, threats. It's, it's like, when am I ever going to? Vocabulary doesn't teach me how to do business. Exactly, exactly. But the thing is, is I think we both know, you know, that industry is kind of driven by money to an extent because you think about it too. The first two years of college are all, you know, your sciences, your histories, your English, your basic mm-hmm. math, at least mine was. And I'm thinking, you know, I took this same stuff in high school. Why am I taking it now? Why can they not just go ahead and teach me finance at a very low level and then just, you know, continuously raise it up every single year? It's money driven. It's got to be money driven. Why else would they have people paying four years? Here's another big thing in the education system. I'm glad we're talking about this is you look at a place like Baton Rouge. You grew up in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I don't know how it is in, in, in Nashville, but in Baton Rouge, you basically had the public schools and you had the private schools, very segregated. And the difference between the public and the private schools was tremendous. And the level of education that each person received, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, way worse teachers, um, quite honestly, just not very safe in general, but why, but okay. So that's one example. So you have extreme, you have two different sectors that unless your parents could afford to pay five grand plus per year per child, uh, to get private school education, you really got a God awful education. Mm-hmm. All right. So now let's look at the college level the like a lot of the richest people come out of the Ivy league and then they donate back into the Ivy league. So it's just perpetual more and more Ivy league kids are making it really, really big um, because they get successful and then they put all their money back into that Harvard or Yale, or whatever. Right. And then look at the teachers, all the best teachers are at those schools. Right. Right. So, all right, so all the best teachers are at those schools and they're not at the other 99.9% of the schools. Well, that's an issue because 
all the knowledge and all the resources are very concentrated in this one little pocket of what, 10, 15 schools. Mm-hmm. What needs to happen is how do we, how do we globalize and democratize the education system to where only the best minds are then distributed to everybody. Okay. So why can you go online like Facebook or Instagram and literally connect with anyone in the world? But if you want to learn a course curriculum, you know, that's not accessible to anyone to a certain degree. Like I went out there and I searched for it. I searched for it. I said, all right, I'm going to go learn from these super successful guys that have content out there either on a book or YouTube or whatever. But the best minds need to be concentrated into a course curriculum and that should be formal education to where whether you are a 10th grader in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at a public school or you're at Harvard, you still have access to Ray Dalio teaching you finance or you still have access to Bill Gates teaching your computer software class or whatever. Like it just doesn't seem that unrealistic for me to get these mega successful the smartest people guys in their the smartest guys in their industry, especially the ones that have already made billions. And now they're just in the straight giving backstages of their life. Mm-hmm. Why could they not take, you know, one week or even two days to, all right, you know, I had these people help me put out the, the course curriculum. Now I'm just going to help teach it and we're going to record it. And then we're going to distribute it on the internet for free or you can even charge for that. It's obviously very valuable, valuable information. Why can we not then distribute that to the masses? And, and that's the thing too. I mean, I would be way more pumped going into that investments class if Ray Dalio was teaching me it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you, you know, know? The, the side with that is like, you know, if you do go to a college and you're taking an investments class, you know, they should have two options. You know, you can either take it in person with the teacher, you have access to that person, mm-hmm. or you just take it digitally with Ray Dalio. It's up to you. But either and, way, it's thank like God, he's putting out a lot of his, his knowledge and information and I'm, and I'm taking it, but everyone else who's in that investments class isn't paying attention to that. Exactly. And, and you know, people's argument is crazy that people say, you know, which, which it's true. You don't need a college education to be successful. You don't need a high school education to be successful. You, you right. make your own success. You make your own luck. And they're like, well, Bill Gates is a billionaire. He didn't finish college. I'm like, well, he dropped out of Harvard. So <laughs> it's not exactly like 11th grade public school class in Louisiana. You know, it's like mm-hmm. th- these people are geniuses. They really are. And they're like one of a kind minds. So why not utilize the information they have to teach everybody else? And I think people make it because, I mean, you got to think like, and we've talked about this before, education at that level is all government mandated to an extent. Mm-hmm. And at that level, it's like people deem it untouchable, but it's not. You just have to find a strategic way to get in. And at the end of the day, it's not like, it's not like you want this to happen to make you know, a shit ton of money. It's like you want to set up the future of America for success. For sure. Well, it's like, all right, people are talking about let's raise the minimum wages, right? That's a right. big topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, consistently the past several years. I mean, there's massive wealth gaps that continue to grow and every downturn, it grows even more because the people with assets leverage those assets to buy more assets and they already have money. They buy more assets at a discounted price and then the economy rises again, those assets rise again and the wealth gap increases, right? right. But the people who have no money, they don't buy any assets and they, you know, so they, they don't have any appreciation when they get that back up, when they get that upswing in the market. Um, that's going to continue to happen 
But uh, unless we can, it, it, the, really the question is, is how do we make the bottom tier more productive and more valuable? Not from a, are you valuable as a human being standpoint, but are you valuable from, can you take this dollar and turn it into two standpoint? That that's how you make somebody more productive. Like how, and that, and it's got to come through education. It's got to come through knowledge. And how do we, how do we spread that knowledge to where it's equal for everybody? That, that's my question. And I definitely don't have it all figured out, but I think what I talked about earlier is getting the best minds together, recording it and then distributing it to everybody in a structured format is the way to go. Yeah. And that's the thing too, you know, like you said, from $1 to $2, that's going to start at, a, at an early age too, yeah. you know, because I think the, the older you get, it seems like it kind of gets more complicated. Like how mm-hmm. can I make, how can I turn $1 into $2? How can I double my money? You know, when you're young, it's as simple as buying a baseball card at one price and selling it at, you know, double the cost, you know, mm-hmm. but now, you know, you get into like real estate stocks, you know, starting a business and exiting that business, you know, it's, it's how can you make that work for you and how can you ingrain those strategies in your mind from an early age and develop that over time with the information you're learning from Ray Dalio, mm-hmm. Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, yep. stuff like that. So I had this question on here too, because, you know, it, it kind of goes back to your drive, like what started it. So do you think that you're more driven when you already have a lot and you just want more? Or do you think you're more driven when you have nothing and you have nothing to lose? I don't I mean, <laughs> when you have funny. nothing to lose, it's, it's when you have nothing to lose, I would say, but it's, can you keep that nothing to lose mindset while still lowering your risk when you have a lot? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the type of person where I'll bet it all on myself. Cause I just believe like, I'd rather, crash and burn a hundred times and then 101 time make it big then just kind of putter along with an average mediocre life right um but that's just how i am i know there's different levels of appetite for different people but um what's the name damon john his book's kind of all about this right it's called the power of broke and it's how do you hustle with that mentality of you know, I'm going to go lean. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to have this hustler entrepreneur mentality that I had when I started, when I was really broken, my back was against the wall and I literally right. had nothing to lose and I had to make it happen. How do I keep that going when I'm worth hundreds of millions of dollars? And I think he brings up a good point. You just got to keep yourself grounded and keep yourself in that mentality of, Hey, this is what got me to this point. And I have to keep doing these successful habits if I want to get uh, to the next point. And this is an interesting topic too, that we can dive into because you are, Mm -hmm. you know, in a network of pretty successful entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. you know, there's always that thing that the more successful you get, your lifestyle also increases with it, but Mm -hmm. it should be the exact opposite. Just like you said, the more successful you get, you should continue to live like you're broke. And Grant Cardone says it too. He's like, you know, when I first started becoming successful, I was driving an old used car around, but no one knew I had a million dollars in my bank account because you can't mm-hmm. tell. So, you know, when you're around these entrepreneurs, have you, have you had that experience of being around someone that was super successful and you're like, shit, they're going to be broke soon if they keep living this way? I would say there's probably a bunch of Instagram flexors out there right now who yeah. are probably, probably doing that. 
have I personally been around that? I would say not really. I've seen people who have made, you know, a million dollars a year and instead of buying assets, they bought, you know, liabilities or only experiences. And I think it's important to buy experiences and have that, have that fun. But I think it's even more important to buy assets so that you can build a real legacy and something that pays you forever. And that's why I love multifamily. And that's really good. Of what my bedrock of my legacy is going to be built on is cash flowing multifamily real estate. But yeah, I mean, I've seen that and I guess that would be the only real, real example. Uh, on the contrary to that, my business partner, Sterling Perkins in six, five capital, uh, the apartment investing firm, he is, you got to get him on this podcast, by the way, he is the best I know at living way below his means. And he could be rolling hard right now if he wanted to be. Really? And he said, since 20 years old, we were literally this morning had a conversation and he's like the finance numbers guy. So he's literally a perfect person for you to have on this. He was like, yeah, I put 70% of my income since I was 20 years old, all into my investment accounts and then lived off of 30%. So when I was making 200 K a year, I was living off of, I think it was 40 K. So can you imagine living off of 40 K when you're really bankrolling 200 K and having the discipline to put 70,000 away? I mean, yeah, as, as human beings, it's like if you have that type of money rolling in, you want to spend it on you. Yeah. You know, but I, but I think too, I think Sterling's mindset is he's still spending it on himself. You know, he's investing in himself. Yeah. He's super, super smart guy, which is why I'm happy to be partnered with him. Um, (laughs) Cause I bring a lot of the business development aspects and he's still a great business development guy himself, but he's, he's like a financial wizard Mm -hmm. and he is, all into the numbers, all about finance and just super humble and super grounded. So yeah, he's, he's definitely a good dude for you to, uh, to get on an interview. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'll reach out to him after the podcast. So mm-hmm. let, let's talk to, because you know, th- this podcast is about struggles. Basically it was built on a struggle, you know, getting yeah. out of debt. And mm-hmm. I think, I think everybody has their own struggles with their personal finances. And personal mm-hmm. finance, as you probably noted this too, noticed this too in the entrepreneur space, like people don't want to talk about it for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, money, money is a sacred topic and people don't like talking about how much money they make, you know, what their expenses are, what kind of debt they're in. And my deal is, me personally, I don't give a shit, you know, who cares? If someone judges me based off that, then that's their fault, right? Yeah. But with you, you know, personally or business-wise, what have been your main financial struggles or or what concerns do you have? Because I think when my audience hears that it resonates with them because when they realize, okay, someone's struggling with the same thing I am, Mm -hmm. let me see how they got out of it or how they're planning to get out of it. And I'm going to take the same action steps. Yeah, for sure. So kind of going back to my personal finances are heavily tied to my business finances. It's, it, it really goes back to, the beginning of this entrepreneurship journey, I wouldn't pay enough attention to reviewing the books and sitting down and talking with the accountant and making sure every line item was correct and in the right bucket. Um, And really just studying those numbers. And it's like, hmm, why is this number 2000 instead of a thousand? You know, could we make it a thousand or if we raise it to 3000, would we drive more revenue and just really thinking through 
in a very analytical way to really have the discipline to sit down and say, all right, I'm going to go through line by line. I'm really going to think this through and how it affects the rest of the business. I would say I've had a natural disdain from accounting since I was an accounting major for like three semester, three semesters. And I was I actually was going down the accounting path. I was sold into that path that I'm going to go into a sidebar tangent here, but I, ever since switching out of accounting, I, my, I really, really hated my teacher. Um, and I was like, this guy is just the most miserable person ever. I do not want to end up like this guy. <laughs> so it's like I program my brain almost to be like all accounting's bad, which is just total nonsense. It's a very important, it's a very, very important business skill, which is why I got into it in the first place. Right. So because of those bad experiences uh, with that particular teacher and just really hating the minutia of all that accounting work, I decided to not pay as much attention to it as I should have, you know? Um, so I would say re- starting to review the books twice a month, not just monthly and really diving deep into it and making sure that there's no rock unturned, asking all the questions, learning, how does this affect that? Um, you know, what can I do better? And just getting advice from people that are smarter than me in that area has been the biggest way that I've improved on that and really just focused on, all right, let's not, let's not waste money in this particular department. Let's make sure it's driving revenue or it's really building brand equity at the end of the day. And let's, let's cut back on meals and entertainment a little bit, even though I like that. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, it's really recognizing what you're not good at or what you're not fluent in and then building Mm -hmm. upon that. Because I mean, dude, you know, I think too many entrepreneurs in the space like to exhibit that they're experts at everything. It's like, let's be real. There's a lot that we struggle with. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's like, if you tell someone I struggle in accounting with mm-hmm. the influence and network you have, someone's going to come out and say, dude, I'll help you with accounting, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's just being real with yourself. Like, what are you not good at? And how are you going to make yourself better at it? I mean, being an entrepreneur, it's constantly learning, constantly building yourself up mm-hmm. because you're never an expert in anything. In my opinion, there's always something new. There's always new information. There's always a different way to make money. So how are you going to take it up on yourself to figure it out? So for sure, I think it's really dropping the ego and saying, look, man, you're better at this than me. I really uh, value your opinion. Help me out. Yeah. I mean, that's it's huge. The, it's leaving the ego. Yeah, it's huge. And, and I think, you know, especially as human beings, everybody's got an ego. Everybody Mm -hmm. wants to think that even if you're an accounting major, I would be like, I know accounting better than you do. I don't want to ask for your help, but it's like, it's bullshit. Just, just ask them for help. People want to help you. Is it more important to get the right answers or act like you might have the right answers? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's ridiculous, man. It's like, it kind of goes back to that quote. um, The more, you know, the more, you know, you don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. You ever heard that one? Yeah. So that was when I first uh, read that. I was like, "Man, that is so true." It is. The people that know the little, the, the least, have the biggest egos, and the people that know a ton are like, "Oh, there's so much more to learn, man." And, and they even say that you know, with starting businesses, you know, there's no right way to start a business, right? And they say, just start, just do something, it'll all come together. Because even when you start a business, it takes six to twelve months to figure out what you don't know yet. Mm-hmm. So then at that point, it's like, okay, you start to get a clear picture. So we're going to start wrapping up, ma'am. And this is actually a new segment too. We have a little speed yep. round. 
So Let's you have five or to 10 seconds to answer each question. Okay. No more, no less. <laughs> and whatever you say is your final answer. You can't go back. Okay. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> Pressure's okay. On. So would you rather fight 100 duck sized horses or one horse sized duck? What kind of question is that? Uh, one horse sized duck. Would you rather be without knees or without elbows? These are great questions. Uh, without elbows. Chick-fil-A or Zaxby's? Oh, Chick-fil-A, 100%. You can, only watch, <laughs> you can only watch one sport for the rest of your life, WNBA or tennis? WNBA. WNBA. Are you serious? <laughs> Man, I'm a basketball player. And then this is going to take the whole 10 seconds. Which is your more valuable asset, yourself or your time? Yourself, because if you master yourself, you can master your time. Absolutely. Go ahead and give, you know, 30 to 45 seconds uh, synopsis of what SocialX is. I want you to be able to give your own little program. Okay. Yeah, so SocialX is a group of driven entrepreneurs and and individuals looking to grow in business and really make a positive impact on the world, grow their network and really scale their business is what it's all about. Uh, whether you're in a nine to five right now and you're looking to start a business or you just started a business, uh, maybe you just started or you already have a successful business. You just want to take it to the next level. We, we have case studies of people really crushing it from all three of those buckets I just mentioned, but really it's all about growing your network, scaling your business. We have, um, seven to nine and we're about to have a couple 10 figure entrepreneurs and business owners on soon, which I'm really excited about a uh, couple on twice, sometimes three times a week to connect and to teach our group of entrepreneurs uh, via zoom video calls. We also do live events. We've had one in Tampa and a vacation mastermind in Cancun um, and in Miami, Florida. And we're looking to roll out to a bunch of other cities, maybe even come to Nashville. Like I've been talking about with Brady which would be awesome. And I'm also building out online curriculum right now. Uh, I know I talked about this earlier um, on this podcast, but really want to get the best minds on this curriculum, get the best information that should be being distributed to everybody. That's really my goal with the whole thing. We want to, at the end of the day, the mission is empower 1 million entrepreneurs to succeed because I believe if I can do that, these entrepreneurs are gonna go out and create a massive ripple effect uh, to, to make the biggest positive impact that I can on the world. So if I, if I can help a million people, help millions of others, um, that's what I want to do. And that's awesome. really the whole mission behind Social X. That's awesome, man. And where can my audience find you on social media? So at jcab, at J-C-A-B on Instagram. You can also go to socialxmastermind.com to learn more, but shoot me a DM. If you listen to this podcast, uh, tell me you hated it or tell me you loved it. Either way, I would love to connect um, and let me know if I can help you guys with anything. Awesome, man. Appreciate your time, Justin. Appreciate you, Brady. Thanks for listening, guys. I post episodes every Monday and Thursday, and those are available on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, or any other major podcasting platform. So listen to us there. Give us a follow on social media, Facebook and Instagram, and let us know what you thought of the episode. We'll catch you next time.